I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast, the round one recap of the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined today by Mark Immelman. Mark, what's going on? I still laugh when you say Resort and Club Championship. It just does not do this event justice. But anyway, we're all good. Um, watched a little golf this afternoon on TV. I'm looking at my casual gear on, so all good here, man. You know, watching, uh, they're out there at, at the Dominican Cor- uh, Corrales Golf Club. Um, or Corrales golf course, actually. And when I watch golf that's played on, on resort golf courses with the beautiful scenery, and this happens in Hawaii too, it looks so relaxing for them out there. <laughs> Yet here we are at the same time, and the, these guys that we're going to talk about are grinding it out, trying to do everything they can to improve their status on tour or keep their card or, uh, or, or really improve their position to get to uh, Eastlake to, to Im- improve on their goals on the year. So it, it's, you know, inside they have a, a real drive to compete yet watching it. It seems so relaxing. Don't you think? It really does. Uh, the thing about here, different to Hawaii that you reference. I mean, if, if you go there and you play the two, P- the two PGA tourist stops, um, Kapalua, the plantation course, as far as I can remember, they're a handful of forced carries. If that. Uh, Sony is nothing. It's a beautiful sort of old school design there, just uh, just outside of Honolulu. But this place, man, yeah, I can see what you're saying because you get there and it's a it's a real relaxed vibe. It's the island vibe. You're next to the Atlantic Ocean there. I can imagine the resort must be incredible. But some of the views, uh, you know, they get quick. They 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 quickly turn from views to kind of distractions because you're standing there on the tee, even though the fairways are wide going. Well, don't miss left, don't miss long, don't miss short, don't miss right. So, yeah, there's a certain amount of grind going on. And you could see by the afternoon wave of players coming through there. When the wind kicks up, that place can be a, just a beast. And uh, and whereas, you know, this evening, I'm sure they'll have a nice meal and maybe a cocktail or two, two. When you're on the golf course with some crosswinds, it's hardly plain sailing. Absolutely right, Mark. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, the golf course is 7,666 yards on the card. So it is a long golf course, a long Tom Fazio design. And um, it's definitely there for beauty, but there is plenty of teeth to it. Although um, not for the, the four players at the top of our leaderboard, four really nice rounds of 65 from Sepp Straka, Scott Harrington, Hudson Swafford, 
and Tyler McCumber. Any of those rounds stick out to you, Mark? Is there a player there that you watch that you say, I knew it, or a player that maybe surprises you? Well, I've got to reference Sepp Strucker. I mean, to go around this place bogey-free, that, that, that's a pretty sporty achievement. Um, and, and when we were having our one-and-done conversation, I, I was sort of reserved on Seb Strucker, and I actually went against him in our matchups. But that round sticks out to me when you go bogey-free. You know, Hud Swafford, so good to see him come back. I mean, he'd been battling injury some and been working hard on the game here in the off time. But Tyler McCumber, it's always a special story to me because I'm good friends with his dad, Players champion, multiple PGA Tour champion, and Mark McCumber, and and I've watched Tiger. I sound like Mark now because you know Mark gives the stories like you know when I was watching Tyler play as a junior golfer versus Jordan Spieth and company. So I kind of giggled at him, but I've seen Tyler from when he was in college, and I remember his brother Josh, and obviously I remember Mark as a winner on the tour. So I, I, I keep tabs on Tyler McCumber, and whenever he plays well, it gets me excited. Uh, not just for him because it's so hard to break through, but I know his father, Mark, must be over the moon right now because the one thing, and, and I've had experience with Robert Myers, Larry Myers' son, uh, Gary Nicholas, Jack Nicholas' son, and obviously the, Gary, the, the player boys. It's hard to play under a su- successful professionals um, in, inside of their shadow. And so to see Tyler break out, kind of be his own personality because he's, he's completely dissimilar to his father. I mean, he's a fascinating character. So when he jumps up on a leaderboard, I pay attention. Uh, and, and this is an event where he has had some success in the past. Um, in 2018, he went into the final round in third place. Um, and he ended up in tied 19th, but it's still his best finish on the PGA Tour to date. So it'll be interesting to watch him throughout the week. Uh, if, he, if he's developed any scar tissue back in 2018, he may really have a chance here. And he goes off at 7.50 tomorrow morning, which may be important. As you notice, the wind did pick up a little bit and there were still afternoon rounds, Tyler being one of them, who, who performed well. But you've got to imagine it's a little bit easier in the morning. Do you think, Mark, or do you think it's kind of um, even, late, early, either way? Um, I have not really looked at the scoring, to be honest with you. But the rule of thumb typically is that golf courses play harder in the afternoon. The winds freshen. Um, you've had traffic on the greens for a morning and an afternoon, so that makes it challenging. Um, and golf courses tend to get a little crispy. Now, obviously, this place won't because it's seaside and there's enough salt water and, and that paspellum grass is really resilient. But still, greens get a little track to them. They get a little more bumpy. The crosswinds will freshen. Uh, and there's that immeasurable that if you've had the morning off, you know, with these guys, I'm sure they're on the beach or just chilling out and taking it easy. But then you get to the course and you see some dude shot like seven under. You know, that can get in the back of the mind a little bit. And then you go out there sort of playing some against the score that's been posted. As a, and it's a real challenge to kind of stick to your guns, stick to your grind and do your thing. So from those points of view, to me, it's always a little harder in the afternoon. I, uh, I tend to agree with you. I mean, my, my preference um, would almost always be to start in the morning, I think, um, in the tournament. Although there, there's an advantage to late early if you can get off to a great start on Thursday. But in a tournament like this, where you know you're going to have to get to that 20 under mark or better to really have a chance of winning, uh, I, I think getting off to a great start is really important. It was a couple of years ago, and this, that, this statistic may have changed, but it was something along the lines of 73% of winners on the PGA Tour were inside the top 10 after the first round. So I do think it's really important. But what's so interesting this week, Mark, is three of the four players 
uh, in Scott Harrington, Hudson Swafford, and Tyler McCumber, they all played in the afternoon today. And Sepp Straka is the only one who's going out tomorrow afternoon. So I would give a slight edge to those three players. I think those afternoon rounds are are um, are really impressive. Um, well, Sepp, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to add to. I loved your point about the uh, about the late early because if you play late early, you too you you will pretty much have twenty four hours between your Friday and Saturday tea time. And so if you need to work on the game for some reason, you have the time and you won't wear yourself out. If you want to just rest, you know, because of the early tea time, you have that luxury on Friday afternoon and you can still get a full day's work in on Saturday. Whereas if you go early, late, you know, you're practicing after Thursday, then Friday you tee off late and all of a sudden you're turning around for Saturday. So, so the late early tea time to me is awfully beneficial. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, if you're a Sepp Straka and you're going off tomorrow at 1240 in, in the afternoon, you're hoping for three consecutive afternoon rounds. Um, you're hoping not to have to go out in the morning on Saturday because that means that you probably didn't play so great. So it, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, with The way the winds tend to blow in a, a tournament like this um, in the Caribbean, I'm very interested to see how a guy like Sepp Straka handles the afternoon tomorrow. Uh, and I'm also interested to see what Scott Harrington, Hudson Swafford, and Tyler McCumber, some really great stories. I mean, the Scott Harrington story is fantastic um, mm-hmm. with everything that that he and his wife went through. Um, and, and he is a rookie on the PGA Tour, and he's in his 30s. So it, it's a, a rare thing. Um, and it's a testament to the grind that these guys who are out there on the Corn Ferry Tour year after year, what kind of work they're having to put in. Uh, and now here he is on the PGA Tour for his second year and has a share for the lead heading into Friday. So it, it'll be very, very interesting to see. Um, there were some other players out on the golf course, some some young stars, Mark, that I think it's really important to mention. Um, Justin Sue, um, Justin Suh, rather, was the guy. He was the other guy, basically, in the Morikawa, Wolf, and Hovland class. He shoots a, a five under par 67 on Thursday. It, it was a, a rather impressive round, I would say. Five under, you got to think you're – squarely in the mix what do you make of this young player um well i'm sure right now for justin so having watched you know his contemporaries to a large extent have a just a bulk just a bushel of success in the pga tour i'm sure he's feeling a little left behind but this is a guy who's still sort of trying to find his feet on the pga tour and so um he's playing with that sort of like i've got to keep up mentality but he came out onto the pga tour vastly hyped you know, he got a lot of conversation about him. You know, us as the on-course announcing folks and the announcers and the media, you know, he was one of the names we were getting handouts on all of the time. And, and so I made a point of watching him and he's got a technique that's kind of his own. Um, he doesn't have the guns that a Hovland or a Wolf does. Uh, he plays a game that's more built on precision, sort of similar to a Marikawa for, for argument's sakes. Um, but I'm still trying to figure him out. So this is a beautiful start for a guy who I'm sure is like, hold on a sec, these guys are leaving me behind and it's time for me to, to sort of make my way a little bit. He's had limited success. He's played down in Latino America. He shot some low scores down there, but yet to really put anything um, sort of special together. So I'm sure after 67 today, um, he must be feeling over the moon right now and, and it's something to build on confidence-wise. 
It's very interesting. You mentioned um, you consider Morikawa, Wolf, and Hovland to be contemporaries of his. And and if you're in his position, you're thinking one of two different ways. Well, one, I've got to catch up. I can't believe how these guys are, are playing so well and I'm so far behind. And that can be that that's kind of the negative viewpoint on it. The positive is, hey, if they can do it, why not me? And and it's my turn. And that's what I watch out for over the weekend. Is this guy going to believe when he gets in contention on the weekend, if he plays well tomorrow and he finds himself in the mix, hey, I, I believe they can do it. So can I. Um, and that's what I'm wondering. And I think we're kind of seeing the same thing out of a player like Akshay Batia and Will Zalatoris. Um, Akshay, go, go, go ahead. I can put a bow on so real fast. Yeah. Um, he played a few events in 2020 and has made only one cut, and that was in the Barracuda, that, that uh, alternate field event, and missed five cuts otherwise in some of the smaller field events. So, so again, I, I think this is a real, it's a real opportunity for Justin. And, and the thing for him now is not to get ahead of himself. Now it's just to continue to build on this, you know, realize that if I do another three of these 67s, I'm going to have a pretty good chance of, being an exempt guy on the PGA Tour, and all of a sudden, all of my issues are way in the rearview mirror. Yeah, and then in that um, that problem that you have, or that issue that you have, where you're wondering, do I belong, or am I way behind? Are these are, are my contemporaries just that much better than me? Those doubts get wiped away in a hurry, and you see in the in the victories that um, the victory that Colin Morikawa had, he won an opposite field event, and and it really spurred on a strong career. So winning at any level, winning is winning and winning breeds confidence. And so it could go a really long way for him. Um, I think Akshay falls in that category too. And will, of course. Um, but Akshay coming off a top 10 finish last uh, two weeks ago in his last start at the Safeway open, uh, gets off to a, a solid start again today, three under par 69. Mark, you look at around for a player like Akshay and he's sitting there in this position. What's the mindset heading into Friday, are you thinking by any stretch of the imagination you're too far back? Or is, is he still feeling like a four back, he's squarely in the mix? No, this is the kind of place, looking at some of the scores, where if you shoot sort of that 69, 70 sort of round, you're kind of almost right at tour average. Um, as, as, I, as I say that, I'm just quickly looking through the average scores. And, and I see, yeah, the average score on the day was like 71.71, sort of right at 71. Yeah, right about one under. Yeah, so sort of one under. So he's ahead of the curve. And if that was his bad day, if that was his nervy day, you know, I think he's, I think he's run a good lap time. So I wouldn't get um, rash with the uh, game plan just now. You know, Thursday, Friday is not when tournaments get won. Thursday, Friday is when tournaments get lost. And so if he just puts together something solid in the sort of mid to high 60s tomorrow, then he's very much in position to go ahead and accelerate. And we've seen out of him that, he plays that sort of game where he can get aggressive and he does have the weapons to reach par fives and that sort of deal. So uh, I think it's time for him to sort of stay his lane, stay patient, uh, stay doing his thing. And, and then you start to reassess um, strategies and, and plans over the weekend. You need to win an event like this. Uh, and we've seen it here specifically in the past three years. You see a really low round out of the winner. And probably out of everybody in the top five, they're probably all going to have one round in, over the four where they go really low. And it's something that's 65 or better. Um, mm -hmm. And and Graham McDowell did it last year. I think he shot a 64, maybe even a 63. 
um, which is it's hugely important. So if you have a 69 on the board, even if you have a 70 on the board, like Wills Alatoris, you have to convince yourself you're still in the mix. You are not out of it. You're one really low round away on a par 72 golf course, uh, a nine under par 63 can make up a ton of ground. So if you shoot a 63 and three 69s, you're look you're sitting there at 18 under, and by the time Sunday comes around, that could be enough to win. So you, I agree with you, Mark. I think that 69 seven. It's important to get under par. Under par is critical. Um, but but going forward, you just got to stick with it and hope that one of these rounds, um, the putter gets really hot. I, I will mention Will Zalatoris. Uh, he shot a 70. Many of us here on the first cut were very interested <laughs> in him, including myself. That it was Mark, in after some Corn Ferry results at one good U.S. Open finish, basically is what it was. Yeah, well, look, it, it's steady play. And I look at, when when I look at players, just to I- explain myself, because look, I mean, I went all, I went basically all in on Will Zalatoris. I, I liked him everywhere. He's And he's the favorite. But it it's confidence coming in. And, and I look at an event as who's playing the best entering. And I think that Will was playing the best now 70 today. I'm not going to say he's out of it, but I definitely puts you in kind of that. He could get himself back in the mix with a great round tomorrow, but he's also in miscut territory. So I'll be watching what he does very closely. And I'm sure you'll be watching uh, Mackenzie Hughes pretty closely too. No. I will. Uh, and just to, to Will Zelatoris and Akshay Batia and company, um, Last year's winner, Graham McDowell, shot off. He shot like seventy or seventy-one in round one, and then shot a brace of sixty-fours, leading himself into Sunday. So it's on, you know. But but again, the, the thing is, you know, for a Will who you say is playing the best, arguably coming in here, you know, we did arguably for sure. You know, it wasn't. We had you know limited information to operate on because not everyone played in the U.S. Open. Um, but the thing for Will then is just to remain true to his plan. And not to panic and go, well, dang, I'm um, five behind or six behind, whatever. You just got to pick them off. So uh, he will show or not show his maturity tomorrow, certainly. And because if he tries to force the issue a little bit, you can get yourself behind the eight ball pretty fast here. Eventually, because the the tour has a format where there's early, late starting times, I, I think you really have to wait and see where you are after your two rounds you put your two best rounds you do the best you can thursday friday you see where you sit heading into the weekend and if he is mature which is a great word mark i think he'll understand that and put together a great round tomorrow um but we're going to take it to the next level here we got to get some picks we got to think who's going to have a great round tomorrow who's going to go on uh, and have a great rest of the tournament we're going to talk about that next but first let's take a break and hear a word from our partners The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And we're back. Okay, Mark, uh, it, it's time to, to put some names to the paper here. Who do you like heading into the weekend? We, we mentioned the players that we have at the top of the leaderboard, four players at seven under par, 
where are you thinking this uh, where, where do you think you have to be after tomorrow's round and is there a player that really stands out to you that, that you think is going to make a, a big move tomorrow I think you would be comfortable at about 12 you know that means the few guys there's four of them at seven you shoot five under tomorrow that's 67 then you're in good shape there will be one or two folks i'm guessing it'll be lower than that but then again it's weather dependent and i haven't seen the forecast but i think if you're 12 you're comfortable and there's a few names that sort of pop out to me a little bit um mckenzie you shot four under that was kind of a quiet start for him i'd picked him at the beginning of the week but you know he's only three back right now um and then there's some fascinating names there too i think patrick rogers um he's yet to fulfill kind of what he is i mean because in college at stanford he was a world beater and he's come out here and he's adjusted his golf swing with uh with his instructor um and i i i've, I've watched him play once or twice and he hits the ball hard and it doesn't really go very crooked and so if the winds blow i feel like he will be able to really you know, make some hay in some adverse conditions. So I'd have my eye on Rogers. And then, of course, like I said, Mackenzie Hughes, he also hits that heavy ball. And then just looking farther down the list, I mentioned um, Tom Dietrich, you know, leading into this event. Yep. He shoots four under as well. So, so I'll be looking to see how he goes tomorrow. So um, I, I, love, I love that. I love the Rogers pick. Rick and I were very high on him heading in. And you mentioned how he hits the ball hard. He does. I mean, he averages 308 yards off the tee. So um, he is a long hitter. I think there's an advantage to that out here at this golf course. Um, and, of course, I like Mackenzie Hughes, too. I think he is another one of those guys that is in great form coming into the week. Um, the U.S. Open, he's like maybe didn't go the way that he wants, but he's got to be riding a high of confidence, and he should be. And he played great here last year. So I love Mackenzie Hughes. The player that I'm looking at heading into tomorrow and heading into Saturday, and I think he's going to be squarely in the thick of it come Sunday, is James Hahn. Uh, James Hahn is um, he's he's tied. He came in tied ninth at the Safeway Open. And you're seeing some better performance out of him. He's a guy that I look at as kind of one of those um, one of those poppers. You'll see him. He's won twice on the PGA Tour in 15 and 16. He's coming second. He's got a, a number of top tens. He is a experienced player who hasn't really had a great run the past couple of years. So I'm looking for him. I feel like he's garnered a little bit of confidence, and his game is in a better place right now than it has been before. So when I see the round that he put up today, I think, uh, I, I think James Hahn is really a guy to watch. And he was either, I think he shot five under today. It might've been four um, as my leaderboard uh, uploads here. Where is he? Is, uh, there he is. He's up. He shot four under 68. Four, today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just like Mackenzie Hughes, I, I think those are kind of sneaky rounds. I think James Hahn puts himself um, right there in the mix. So um, I love the picks. Is there any one of the leaders that you think is is going to be um, problematic for everybody else, as Kyle would say? Is there anybody that you think might run away with this? <laughs> no, I just don't think the golf course will allow very much for that. Yeah. Because when you find a person running away, they've either played out of their minds or it's been a golf course that doesn't really lend itself to some super low scores and one person just sort of finds the elixir. 
you know, and you look at the scores over here, I, I, I didn't see what's cutting right now, but I know two under par is essentially almost on the cut line. And you've got some guys like Graham McDowell and, uh, and Henrik Stenson are down there too. So no, I, I don't think there's one guy that's going to accelerate away from the peloton. I, I feel like it's going to be pretty bunched as we head into the weekend. There'll be more of the same. And then eventually, um, I feel like you're going to have to shoot something in the mid to low 60s Sunday to, to, to separate yourself and win. I think you're right. That cut line right now is at two under. There are 76 players uh, at two under or better. So it'll be very interesting to watch. There, there's, there's so many players at two under par. It's amazing. Um, but anyway, Mark, uh, that's all we got for you. But we're going to be around for the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship every single <laughs> round. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll be we'll do a, a recap on Saturday night, and we'll do a recap, of course, with the, uh, on, on Sunday night. So really looking forward to that. Thank you so much for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at the Real GFD. That's Mark Immelman. He's at Mark underscore Immelman. That's it for us tonight, and we'll see you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.